The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 20th chapter. Jesus said to the disciples, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into the vineyard. He went out about nine o'clock and saw others standing idly in the marketplace. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard and I'll pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock, he went out and found others standing around. And he said to them, why are you standing here idly all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then go to the first. When those who were hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now, when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last workers only worked for one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne all day in the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I'm not doing you no wrong. Do you not agree with me that the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Are you envious because I'm generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. The Gospel of our Lord. Well, again, thank you for the invitation to be here today. My name is Matt, and I have the incredible honor of serving at Wartburg Seminary in Dubuque, Iowa, one of the seven seminaries of this church. And I get the daily work of talking with folks who are saying yes or even maybe to serving the church. For those who will grumble and say that the church is dying, the church is irrelevant, I can tell you that this year we have 42 students entering the seminary who have said yes to the possibility of being pastors of this church, and we have 87 students who are studying for wider service in the church. The church is not dying, and I can tell you honestly, the church is in really, really good hands. So I bring you greetings from our president, Louise Johnson, our dean, Craig Nesson, and the 147 students at our school. Thank you for letting me be here. It is a little bit dangerous to go preach in Iowa City after watching and hearing the end of a football game last night. I know my friend Doug came home last night. I was staying with Pastor Sarah, and I heard about the score, so it's always a little bit dangerous to preach in a football town after that. But we'll get through this together. I promise. This parable that's in front of us today, it comes to us right after... The text before, the Apostle Peter 
has said to Jesus, you have left everything for us to follow you. Now, what's in it for us? And this is the text just before the mother of James and John requests special privileges for her sons who have, quote, borne the burdens of the day by joining Jesus and entering into his ministry. So we might rightly understand this parable as a gentle rebuke to the disciples regarding their ongoing struggle to figure out where they will sit in the Messiah's new kingdom. A kingdom that they think might come with money, might come with glory, might come with power. It's not that sort of kingdom. Jesus says to us in this parable, you don't earn your way to the top because there is no top anymore. But there's even more to the story if we start to pay attention. Notice the landowner who finds his workers in the marketplace. This means that whether they arrived early in the morning or late in the afternoon, all of them were looking for work. All of them were tapped on the shoulder and recruited to go to the vineyard by a micromanaging landowner who just keeps coming back and back and back to hire more people that, honestly, no one else wanted. Anyone who wanted to work got work. Even if they showed up late, even if they stumbled into the marketplace a little bit hungover, a little bit uncertain, maybe sick, no one else wanted them, and this landowner kept coming and hiring It's not about their qualifications. They are being called into the vineyard for work. Notice, too, that the landowner pays a fair wage. No one in the story is deprived or shortchanged. What scandalizes the workers who arrive early in the vineyard isn't that they're cheated by the landowner, but that their co-workers benefit by the landowner's generosity without earning it. Funny how something good can suddenly seem less because it's shared. It's such a universal and familiar reaction to not want to be cheated. Particularly for us in our current culture who idolize success self-sufficiency, where gifts are expected, not deserved. But it's not that type of kingdom, Jesus says. It's not about the pay. It isn't about the work. You don't pull yourselves up by your bootstraps. You don't take a handout. And here is the punchline to the parable. I love when the landowner says, am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Are you envious because I'm generous? Are you envious 
because I'm generous. Let that question sink into your marrow. Really, this parable isn't about the workers. It's about the landowner. This is God's vineyard. This is God's table. This is God's kingdom. This is God's world. And we don't make the invitation list. We don't dole out the gifts or the wages. And that's a good thing. Because no doubt we would try to make it fair. No doubt we would try to make sure everyone got what they deserved. But God is not fair. God is irrationally and irresponsibly generous. God's mercies are infinite, offensive, and new every morning. Now you, the good people of Gloria Day, don't know me. But here's a little fact is I don't like waiting in line. I come from the East Coast. I still live in New York. Lines really bother me. And I tried to think this past week about where I would be in the line in that vineyard. And it's that shocking reality of I'm probably at the end of the line. Which makes me wonder, why do I want to be at the front of the line? What's at the front? On a hot summer day, standing in the front of the line at the movie theater means you get into the air conditioning first. Front of the line on the airplane means you get your seat and your bag above you. But really, I'm wondering my place in line. If it doesn't matter, why do I continue to crane my neck to see the front? What am I looking for? What do I want to happen at the front? Which made me think this past week of, what is it that I want Jesus to do? What do I want Jesus to do for me at the front of that line? And I think this question can sit with all of us. Watching news of earthquakes and hurricanes and power outages, I've been thinking a lot about what is it that we're looking for? What is it that we want Jesus to do for us? No matter your political affiliation, many of us are struggling to engage a political environment where it seems like we're engaging in an odd reality show. What are you looking for? The daily news that fills our lives of news, our vans that drive through crowds with the goal to kill, or gunmen who open fire. Maybe it's a person who wants basic health care rights, rights to their own body, and a life not defined as a pre-existing condition. What are you looking for? Some want Jesus to free them from the addiction that dictates their every move. Some are looking to Jesus for answers. Some are looking for Jesus to give them hope. Still others are looking for the love that makes them whole. Rest from the weariness of life, pride in one's orientation, reconciliation for a broken relationship, peace. Whatever it is that you're straining to see the front of that line, what you're looking for, we all have our own answers of what are you looking for at 
the front of that line. If we follow Jesus comfortably without an answer to the question of what are we looking for, if we are following Jesus without much disruption or cost, if we have some measure of power and status and use it for a good purpose, then the answer that might honestly come from us is that we want Jesus to keep things just the same, to increase our sphere of influence so that we might do even more good in the name of Christ. But if we can truly see who's in line with us, if we see the woman left economically and socially devastated, if we are a child powerless against neglect and abuse, if we are a person left on the roadside in a society that values abled bodies and gainfully employed, if we are the victims of pride, prejudice, and hate, then we're likely to ask Jesus to make this world radically different. We may ask Jesus to make the world more fair, more just, more loving by making disciples who would be fair, just, and loving. We may ask Jesus how a community of disciples like you here can change things if together we give up our power over others. If together we give up and go for the other's behalf. We may ask Jesus to help us see how to do that and then give us enough love and courage to live his way. In this parable, Jesus frees us. Well-intentioned disciples struggling with our own desires for safety and glory and sacrifice and service. But Jesus still frees us today for the first shall be last and the last shall be first and when you realize your place in line doesn't matter when you stand in the presence of the living God who takes away the sin of the world suddenly all that you need all that you want all that you long for is already known It's already heard, it's already held, it's already forgiven, it's accomplished, it's given to you, and you're saved. And then you can't remember why you were even worried about your place in line. Because the reality is, God is not here to grant our wishes. But when we enter into the presence of the living God, We are changed. We're transformed. We see things differently. We find hope where there only used to be despair. We crave justice for those we don't even know. We find compassion for the most egregious in our midst. When you're standing in line waiting for your payment... Look for the presence of the living God. Our weakness becomes our greatest strength. Our pain becomes our capacity to understand. Giving becomes receiving, and receiving does become a gift. Ambition gives way to purpose, and we choose love over power. Control gives way to the cross, and guilt gives way 
to forgiveness. And death becomes life again. And we begin to know that what we're seeking is not a thing. What we're seeking is not a position in line or our fair payment. What we are seeking is not even an answer or a solution. But it's a way home. A way to get back to the place where God stays, dwells, and remains forever. They are servants of God. When the night comes, when the one comes to pay our daily wage, let us rejoice that we're at the end of the line probably, and God will pay us fairly. Amen.